Hi there. Welcome to the Health Analytic Insights Podcast. This podcast is all about creating a community of like-minded individuals who are passionate about the field of health informatics. I hope to share information and advice in topics such as health analytics, digital health, biomedical engineering, and data visualization in healthcare. And in exchange, I would love to hear from you, dear listener, about your experience and interest in this field. You can drop me a line at healthanalyticinsights at gmail.com. And this email, along with any references discussed during this podcast, will be listed in the show notes below. If this resonates with you, don't forget to follow and subscribe to this podcast, as I'll be releasing new episodes bi-weekly. Before we jump into the episode, I want to let you know that I've written a step-by-step guide to help you through the process of securing your first role in health informatics by providing you with concrete examples of what roles to search for, common skills requested by employers, example interview questions, and much more. If this is of interest to you, you can check out the show notes of the episode where I have a link to the ebook below. Now, let's get back into the episode. So on this episode of the Health Analytic Insights podcast, I'm excited to interview Odane Darnpar, who works as an epidemiologist for the Washington State Department of Health and is passionate about driving change through analytics and automation. He's also the podcast host of Black Tides, a podcast which exists to support the professional growth and technical development of Black professionals in the data science space, including but not limited to technology, informatics, data science, epidemiology, and social sciences. So thank you, Odin, for being on the podcast. And we'll just jump into the first question is, would you be able to tell the audience a bit about your career journey? How did you get to where you are today? And was there anyone in particular who inspired you on your path? Sure. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Odane. And uh, just to answer the first question here, a little bit of my journey. So back in college, my major was in writing and rhetoric. And so I was going down the digital marketing. And then shortly after college, after my bachelor's, I was looking for a master's program. But I was very set in stone uh, that I did not want to sit for the GRE. So I was looking for programs that specifically did not require that. And so that's when I stumbled upon informatics. I know someone who, I have a lot of friends who are nurses. And so I was able to ask them questions such as, you know, how does informatics look in a clinical setting and try to um, get my head around whether or not that path would be for me. The college that I graduated from, they also, they had an online uh, master's program in informatics. And so I felt like it was just a seamless transition since I had already, all my information was already with the school. And so that's where I really started education-wise. While I was in the program, a big requirement was to complete an intern. And through that internship, I was able to foster my sort of like role right out of school, even though it was during a pandemic and a lot of uh, jobs was frozen in terms of hiring, I was able to still land a few, a few offers with it. One thing that I've come across is that informatics is Uh, a new word for a lot of people. But once you explain what it is, everyone sort of like wants a person like that on their team to make sense of information. And so yeah, so once I finished, once I finished my internship, I started my first role out of school as a financial uh, informatics analyst, where I was pretty much doing informatics duties on a financial analytics team. During that role, I was able to strengthen my skills in SAS and SQL. 
And once I felt like I was ready to sort of like take my profession to the next level, I decided to switch into public health because I think if COVID did anything, it what it did is it showed the world how serious a lot of public health issues are and how we can use a lot of the data and technical skills that we use in other industries and apply it to public health to really do good. And so that's how I ended up where I am today. That's awesome. And and when you talked about the GRE, I had a flashback to negative <laughs> experiences studying for that, like the language section. And then, oh my goodness, it's just, it was just a rough, <laughs> rough experience. So I'm with you there on trying to avoid taking that test. But one question I had from what you said, how, do, how were you able to obtain an internship? Can you talk a bit about that process? So it's tricky um, because I think there's two routes. One route would be to search on like, let's say Indeed or LinkedIn for internship positions. But I think a lot of people can agree that there's not a lot of those sort of postings out there. So the going the school route is the route that I went, like my school partnered with, they had, they call it, they had qualified internship sites that were already partnered with the school. And so it made it seamless. I essentially made it clear that I was into analytics and my preceptor was then able to match me to a a hospital who was focused on analytics. And so that's how I was able to land um, that um, internship. And honestly, that's how I feel a lot of people should try to go about internships, especially like when your school already has that relationship with with the site that you're trying to intern at, it it usually leads into a a job offer at the end. So Mm -hmm. that's my recommendation. Yeah, I definitely think getting that internship, that real life experience really puts you uh, a foot ahead. Others who are just, you know, graduating from your master's and that you're just trying to apply for some of these roles that are sometimes even looking for two years of experience, but are labeled as entry level. So I definitely, I think if people are looking to get their master's degree in health informatics, they should try and look for a program that specifically offers that type of uh, resource for students. Another thing I wanted to touch on what you said is you're kind of pivoting from the financial area to public health, because I also had a similar path where I worked in the nonprofit section and then pivoted into the health informatics field. And I feel like one of the benefits to that is you can learn very similar skills like SAS, SQL, R, Python in any of these industries. And then informatics is a lot of the skills are transferable. The only thing that changes is the the domain. So when I was working on the healthcare side, obviously I had to, I had that sort of like insurance, clinical, financial uh, knowledge that I had to, or a hat that I had to wear when I was analyzing data. Have a way to pivot into there. So sometimes it can be very difficult to just directly go into informatics, um, health informatics, but if you can you know, apply your skills in different industries and then pivot. That's another way I think of breaking in. No, yeah, I, w- I would definitely agree. One thing about in, in that space, but when I went to public, that's a different domain, even though it's related, it's different. And so that requires a new a new set of understanding. But the, the tools that are still the same, like I'm still using SAS, I'm still using SQL, even though it's a different, different side of the industry. Mm-hmm. And so the next question I want to ask is, you completed your master's of science in health informatics. I'm wondering what is the impact that this degree had on your career? And were you able to grow your network from this degree? Because I feel like, again, when you're in academia, these types of areas, there's not really an emphasis, I think, enough on network growth and how it can really, really be beneficial for your your career in the future. So would you be able to talk about a bit about how your master's impacted your career? Sure. Yeah, no, definitely. I think the 
Hmm. This one's a tough one, right? Because I think had I had, had I had, had I had my bachelor's in informatics, I'm not 100% sure if I would have obtained my master's in informatics. I think so. The reason why I went for the master's was because I, I already had a, a bachelor's underneath my belt. But in terms of the impact, I think any degree, whether it's a master's or a bachelor's, it acts as a key, right? It acts as a key. And the door that you unlock is where like your second half of your question comes in is the networking piece of it. So a lot of times people just focus on just schooling, getting good grades, but they graduate with the key, but they don't know which doors these keys open mm-hmm. or, or that key open. And so in terms of impact, I did, it, it definitely played a, a big role because it, it opened my network to other people who were studying the same thing I was studying. I'm fairly young. And so the roles that I've held previously up until this point, everyone was in a different uh, phase or area of their life. So like you have people who they just graduated high school or they, you know, like, like work, working in retail, everyone is on a different path. And so it, it didn't share a lot of similarities versus when you um, go to a specific program, which is specific health informatics, everyone there wants to study that. And so it made making friends in that area really easy. And another thing that the, uh, the program allowed is for certifications. So they offered, they had the uh, certified health data um, analyst um, certification, the CHDA, you, you had your RHIA, your, your CAHIMS, and also your CPHIMS if you already have underlying experience. But I would say the big thing also that the program offered is conferences. And, and even though, and so, yeah, so one of the conferences that uh, they paid for was AMIA, which is a, a, an annual conference. And it's essentially doctors, data scientists, everyone in the health informatics uh, space and anything related to healthcare and in improving patient outcomes. They attend this conference and you're able to attend uh, different sessions, just like normal conferences, but it allows you to see how your degree works before you even finish school. And so that was, that was really uh, beneficial for me. And while I was there, since it was an online program, I was able to interact with my classmates outside of like discussion um, posts and stuff like that. And so I did pick up a friend from, from my master's program and it segues into the networking piece. So where I currently am now, so I'm actually based in Florida and I work for the state of Washington. And a lot of times you wonder, how are you living in Florida but work for Washington? <laughs> <It's interesting>. and, <laughs> and I think that speaks on the network, right? Mm-hmm. So I went to school with someone who we both graduated out of the same um, program, same year. After school, she went to Seattle. She moved over there, got a job for the state there. And I was, because of we, because of the network that we formed during our program, she was like, Hey, you know, like they're hiring, come on over. And, you know, that's how relationship was able to foster. And once I got hired over there, I enjoyed it. And I think two or three, I want to say I I referred at least two or three other individuals to work over there. I know one accepted uh, the position and I think another one is currently going through the interview rounds. And so it's, it's no coincidence that you have five people from uh, Florida, uh, all from the same school who are working for the state of Washington. And it's all because of that one same network. So I think that, yeah, that just drives the point home of how big network is because your degree only gets you so far and the people you know get you further. Absolutely. I definitely agree with that uh, statement. And it's great that your program was supportive in terms of conferences and 
certifications. I think that's great, even for, you know, when you're first starting in your career, but I think even long-term, some of these certifications can really help to um, boost your career even further. So that's really awesome. And uh, you had spoken in the past about experience with SaaS and uh, SQL in your current job. Are there any specific technical tools you would advise people to learn if they're looking to pivot into the area of healthcare and analytics? Yeah, I think I think Excel gets a lot of uh, banter nowadays, but I think Excel, that's where I would say to start. And the reason why, one, one thing that I've realized is even if you're working in SaaS or you're working in SQL, a lot of the times Excel is your medium into which you deliver information to sometimes technical and non-technical um, audiences. A lot of CFOs or C-suite executives, Tableau or Power BI dashboard is fairly new to them, but Excel, that's what they know. And so you have to take your audience into consideration when, when you're doing a lot of analysis and how you're going to di- um, deliver that information. And also, I just think once you start with Excel, you're able to be hackish in a way and figure out the limitations of Excel. And I feel like once you hit that limitation, then that's when you're ready for your new programming language. And so one of the limitations of Excel is the number of rows uh, that you can store. You know, I think it's like, I don't know if it's like 1.1 million, but it's not, it's not very large, right? (laughs) Especially in terms of like huge amount of big data. And so I feel like once you get to that point, then I would say your next step is, okay, here's my limitations with Excel. And then my next step after that would be SQL. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I recommend SQL is because a lot of times in Excel, you have Power Query in which you can embed your SQL queries right behind your Excel dashboards. So learning one, then learning the next, it it makes learning programming language a lot easier once you start with the fundamentals, run into a wall, figure out why the wall exists and how to break it down. And I feel like uh, that's the that's the path that I've taken, and that's what I would recommend. I would start with Excel, then go to SQL. I can't really recommend SaaS because it's proprietary and it's expensive. So you know, if you work in an organization that pays for it, great, learn it because the next organization that you work for may not have it. And then you have your open source language like R R and Python, and those are good. You can choose one. They they both have their strengths and weaknesses. And you know, again, going back to that limitations, once you realize or a limitation with Python, you'll find out where R excels in that area and vice versa. And so once you get the programming out of the way in terms of healthcare informatics, the next thing, the next step would be visualization. And if you like R or Python, you can do, you know, the ggplot2 or whatever the case is. But then, you know, your next steps is, like I mentioned earlier, Tableau and Power BI as visualization tools. But Excel also has a lot of those same visualizations, especially because it speaks the same language uh, with Power BI. So those are my recommendations in terms of tool. Earlier in my career, I was pretty, I was one of those people who were like, Python is better than R. And then as I got more mature and really started to focus not on tools, but just adding value, I realized it it's kind of like the infinity stones, right? They work better when they're all collected together. Um, and one thing I would mention in terms of tools is our markdown um, allows, and I'm sure there's other tools out there that allows you to do the same thing, but our markdown allows you to leverage not only R, but also SQL and Python. So, you know, you don't have to choose. You can, you can make, make them all work for you. 
Yeah, that's a great recommendations. I completely agree. And I think in, in the past, I think I was also very tool dependent. Oh, you know, I'm in the Power BI versus Tableau Wars and, you know, oh, I'm team Power BI and Tableau is this. And, but I feel like, again, as I've matured in my career, I think it's really about what the tool can do to either drive your the information that you're trying to share with an audience. And as you're saying, Excel can be a great starting point for that, especially a lot of people have a general understanding of Excel. So if you want to create a quick chart and then you want to explain that to people, embed it into a PowerPoint, yeah, it might not be the coolest tool that you're using, but if it gets your message across in a way that people can understand and are going to change their actions from the information that you're displaying, I think that is definitely the most important thing because I feel like there's always going to be a new shiny tool that's out there, but uh, being able to actually deliver value um, is where I'm finding that I'm focusing more as I mature on in my career. And uh, one other thing I wanted to touch on this question is that I've noticed for like healthcare informatics, it's a bit difficult to obtain domain knowledge. For example, you know, if you're in the financial industry or the hospitality industry, I think there's a lot more resources that you can look to. I find with healthcare informatics, it's a bit proprietary in terms of, for example, if you want to learn more about like a tool like Epic or CERN or or like SaaS is heavily used in this industry. And so it can be difficult for people who are trying to obtain that domain knowledge to really learn a bit about this field. One suggestion that I have is to read academic papers, read articles that people have done from, you know, chief information officers. But I'm wondering if you have any other tips that people can do to kind of learn more about this field if they're not necessarily being able to work in it right away. Sure. I think it's called AHIMA. A-H-I-M-A is, mm-hmm. the, is the name of the um, organization. They have a lovely career map that, you know, I can send I you the that. link and you can link it in the show notes. But the, I refer to that often, even after being in the field, because it shows you the, the different section, sections that you can go, whether that's revenue cycle, data governance, informatics, analytics, coding, and it shows you different jobs from like entry-level, mid, senior, and so on and so forth. And so that's one thing that I would suggest. And the reason why I suggest that, because I feel like once you find out why you want to be in health informatics, the rest becomes easier. So Mm -hmm. informatics means different things to different people. If we just go with the simple uh, definition of informatics, it's really just the it's a science of how you manage information. Of course, you can get more complex and, and talk about the storage, retrieval, how is the data being used and stuff like that. But at its, you know, at its fundamental root, it's how is information being used? How is it being uh, interpreted and stuff like that? And once you have that understanding, you can say, okay, do I want to be the person on the back end of that? Or do I want to be the person on the front end of that? Me, I want it to be on the back end. If I went front end, then that's when I would get into like Cerner or Epic, like like you said, you know, whether that's be a credential trainer, teaching doctors, nurses, and other healthcare professionals how to use these type of tools. Or I can be on the back end and working through the logic of how the data is being used once it's being collected in these platforms. And so once you figure out which side of the which side of the court you want to be on, it it makes it a lot easier. And so that would be my recommendation. Yeah, that's that's a really great tip. And I love that career map. I link it to people often because it's just such a great interactive tool to like and even know about job titles that you can search for. Like this field is fairly new and it's difficult to know, okay, 
what job title should I search in Indeed? And yeah, that's a great tool for people to have. So that'll definitely be in the show notes below. And the next question is a, a big hypothetical question, but where do you see this intersection of data analytics, data science, and healthcare progressing in the in the future with the pandemic? You know, we've seen the rapid adoption of telehealth, and I think more and more people are getting interested in being able to manage their patient data and getting interested in analytics. And so in your opinion, where do you kind of see this field uh, progressing? Sure. I think there's a fun answer and then there's a you know straightforward answer. So the straightforward answer is I think data analytics is going to be sort of kind of like how Excel is sort of like a fundamental, like everyone should know how to interact with Microsoft and Microsoft applications. It's the same way I think that data analytics and data analysis is going to be a skill that everyone is required to have. And so once you get to that point, well, now that everyone is supposed to be uh, air quotes data analysts, well, then what's the next step? And I think that's where that data storytelling and that data, what do you want to call it? And now the word came back to me so I can use it, data literacy, mm -hmm. right? So everyone's already required to have some basic technical skills when working with data, but now how to interpret it and use it and make decisions off of it is definitely one way I see um, the, this intersection going. The fun answer to that, more futuristic in terms of, like you said, telehealth, and that's the metaverse, right? Mm -hmm. I think that COVID, you know, sort of like amped up the resources in telehealth. And before going to your doctors through a Zoom call was probably weird, but now it's like normal. Mm -hmm. But then I see it being into this whole new metaverse and I'm no like metaverse enthusiast. I don't know too much about it, but I think the idea that you can see your doctor anywhere in the world from any, from any location, I think it's going to it's going to reduce a lot of healthcare burdens, especially when you think about accessibility mm -hmm. and affordable. You know, if you're just in the comfort of your own home, maybe certain things won't need to be as expensive as it is now. And likewise, let's say you're caring for someone and you can't afford the luxury of leaving to go to the doctor, but you can do it from the comfort of your home. I definitely think when the, the metaverse is used for good, there's a lot of benefits and healthcare is just one of those domains that is going to hit and really, really um, shake things up. Yeah, I think when it comes to like telehealth and things like that, kind of reducing the burden for the medical staff, like if you don't have uh, certain conditions where you have to be seen in person right away, it's just more effective to not have to take time off work and all these all these things. So being able to have that flexibility between a hybrid situation where you can interact with your doctor and it's hard in Canada to find a doctor in Ontario. A lot of people are on a lot of wait lists and things like that. So just having that flexibility of being able to see multiple patients and things like that. So I definitely hope that we can integrate technology in the future. And I think more and more people want to stay in their houses longer. People are living longer and they want these types of devices that can help them manage their own care. So it'll be interesting to see what was happening in the next couple of years, for sure. And uh, you dropped a lot of gems, Odane. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. And I will say the last question, which is, what is the best piece of advice you've received in your career so far? So the, the best advice that I've received so far is definitely during my exit from my previous company when my boss said to don't limit myself, help a lot of people and make a lot of money. And I think that out of that exit counseling, I think the not limiting myself spoke to me the most. 
because uh, I was always joking with him about how I could never be in management. Like he's like, oh, but you make a great leader. I'm telling you, Dane. But you know, I'm like, oh, I don't know. And so I think that's that's what spoke to me when he said not to limit myself. Another thing that uh, speaks to me is in terms of tools, right? I think when I was working with him, I only used SaaS and SQL. But one of the first things that I did when I um, switched to the DOH was within a month or two, I started adopting R. And so now R is my go-to language. And just recently, last week, I started using Python because I'm doing a lot of stuff with APIs now. And I always hear his uh, voice in the back of my head saying not to limit myself, especially when it comes to my career and whatever opportunity uh, present themselves. Yeah, I really, really like that. Not limiting us. I feel like we can put, you know, these limits on ourselves on what we think that we can achieve, but um, we never really know until we're kind of pushed into a new challenge and then we're able to adapt. So I really like that advice. So thank you so much, Odin, for giving us all these recommendations and great tips. I'm going to link to all of Odin's credentials in the show notes so people can follow up with him and then subscribe to his podcast as well. And thank you so much, Odin. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Health Analytic Insights Podcast. I'd love to hear from you about topics I should cover in future episodes. Please consider subscribing and leaving a review. Have a wonderful day.